TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. We are almost at the weekend, and my guess is a lot of people taking a few more extra days off next week for Thanksgiving. Um, the team will be here Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Thanksgiving, and the day after. We'll have some best of uh, shows on next week. Um, don't forget, Brian Kilmeade's coming back to town here in a few weeks on December 1st. It's two weeks from tomorrow already at uh, Silo Point, Brookdale Farms in Eureka. It starts at 6 Six to seven is dinner from Andre's Catering. Brian will be there with his new book, Teddy and Booker T, How Two American Icons Blaze the Path for Racial Equality. The tickets are $110. They are going to sell out. We're, we're getting close. We have more than 250 people. The capacity is probably 300. So if you want to go, don't put it off. This would make a fine you know, pre-Christmas gift, if you will. You can go to 971talk.com. And just hit slash events or hit the events tab and you can buy tickets for that. We got a round table tomorrow. Jane will be here, State Rep Steve Butts, Nick Schroer will toss about all the stories of the week. Paul Hall will have some entertainment recommendations taking into the weekend at 425 and then Kusumano with sports. Florida and Mizzou this weekend is the big football game. Um, Parents Defending Education is a great group that has been trying to to focus on some of the important cultural things that are happening in the world. And there's an interesting report that's out. Michelle Exner back with us this afternoon. They've done a little investigation into some of the clubs that are popping up at schools all across the country. Michelle, how are you? Welcome back to 97.1 FM Talk. I'm good. Thank you so much for having me, Mike. So it's Mark, but that's okay. You can call me Mike if you want to. I, I will uh, go by a variety of different names. But what? So what's going on here with some of these clubs? Because a lot of this happens without, and this is some of the concern that you would have, without parental notification or parents knowing exactly what's going on. These clubs are sometimes created under the auspices of something else, if you will, aren't they? Absolutely, Mark. So what started out as a student organiza- organization, right, branded as helping, helping them, um, has now transitioned into vehicles to push deep social change on students related to racial, gender, educational justice. And just to sum it up for your audience, it's basically teaching children, students to be activists, right? Especially when you look at the policies that some of these programs are pushing, right? It's anti-cop, it's pushing for climate change, it's, it's teaching them to um, to go uh, advocate for liberal, uh, progressive policies. Um, and guess what? Guess where the focus is not? on math, reading, and science. Right, right. Well, my guess, there might be some um, organizations that are pro-terrorists that are gathering at some of these schools right now, just based on what we're seeing across the country. But you, you've discovered that 
and this is not at high schools, you know, the high schools, I would say that especially if you're a, a junior and senior in high school, maybe some of this is in a different category, but at middle schools and elementary schools, Michelle, you have the Queer Straight Alliance, the Rainbow Club, the Affinity Group, the Unity Club, all these things popping up where ages are a little younger than 17 and 18. It's, it's, it's starting with children as young as four years old. Now, I'm a mom of two children, um, so I remember that age well. And that is an age where they're barely learning how to read and, and string words and letters together and numbers and colors. And, and now you have these external and, and activists, whether they're being employed by the schools or whether it's these external groups that are trying to push this stuff in classrooms. They want to start with children as young as four years old. It's, it's just pure insanity. So th- this is, you got to tell me about this. So these are GSAs, Gender and Sexualities Alliances, that are in schools. Th- this is from something that you guys sent over to me. I'm just going to read it and you can explain. It says, in a self-published article titled LGBTQ plus youth of color need hashtag police free schools. The GSA network states that the alphabet mafia, I'm just going to use that word, of color can only access a quality education and safe school environments if we disband school police departments that disproportionately target and apprehend, there's an interesting word, people of color. I wonder if it's um, focused on the uh, 13 through 18-year-olds that are now arrested in Las Vegas after beating the snot out of the kid that tried to help his friend that was stuffed into the trash can, right? What an awful story. Terrible. Um, Just heartbreaking. Sue, did you see that story? Oh, no. Okay, so my my, um, partner Sue here was out for a few days. Yeah, this was a story that happened, well, I think it happened a couple of weeks ago, but now there's been some arrests. There was a kid who had a friend who um, was being bullied, and then he kind of challenged these other kids to a fight. They went off the school grounds, and a fight started, and a bunch of African-American kids surrounded the white kid, beat him to (gasps) death. Pummeled him to death. And finally yesterday there were arrests made, I think Tuesday actually, eight people. Michelle, you know that story. It's just awful. The video was just horrific. Just horrific. Uh, Maybe it's good that there's a video, though, because, you know, then you have some proof that this actually did happen. So how do you, what do you do with, you know, your organization? You're trying to just inform parents, and I don't know what parents can do because you have these school boards that seemingly are against them as well. But what's the recommendation if you see this GSA, the Gender and Sexualities Alliance, is popping up at some of these clubs in middle schools and elementary schools here? Look, parents are in charge of their children's education. So when they see something that raises that red flag, they should email the teacher. They should email that principal. There are taxpayers in that community. Their children go to that school. And, and as a mom, and, and I'm sure parents across the country can agree, there's nothing more important in our lives than our children. And so when there's people that are trying to influence them in a negative way and, frankly, try to replace the values that I want to teach them as their mother um, to try to, to – to, to change that and, and impact them in classrooms, parents should, should speak up and have their voices heard. Um, and, and parents defending education is there to be a resource for them. We're ob- we obviously put this investigation together um, to expose this, this kind of material um, that is not appropriate for, for, for many students, majority of students, especially four-year-olds and preschoolers. And so the more we arm parents with information and with tools that they can use to go to approach their their school leaders, approach their school board, I think we can make substantial changes 
uh, to what we're seeing in classrooms. Yeah, and Michelle, the, the investigation is very thorough, and you guys use Freedom of Information Acts. And here's one that, you know, maybe people wouldn't consider this the most uh, revealing, but it's interesting. French Middle School in Kansas, actually, Topeka, Kansas, school counselor and the staff coordinating with the school's GSA club to facilitate a walkout by students. And you discovered emails that show staff working with the students, club members, to coordinate a student protest over, quote, recent laws being passed and debated. And that was in coordination with uh, the walkout that was supposedly nationwide over the Don't Say Gay bill, which doesn't say Don't Say Gay was completely misrepresented, and a presentation that was, um, I guess, just basically all the trans issues and stuff, things along those lines. They were protesting that. But that was something that not just the club was doing, that the teachers, the faculty, the staff were also organizing, right? Yes. Ab- yep. Or in Waterloo. Um, let's see. Where, no, Topeka. Yeah. Um, Topeka Public Schools email shows staff working with the GSA club members to coordinate a student protest over recent laws that were right, being right. passed and yeah. debated. That is not the role for tax paid staff and teachers at these schools. They should be neutral. And their role is to teach students not to get them, not to recruit them, to go advocate for their political causes that they agree with. So, Michelle, where is the you have some things in here that are really interesting to me, Um, some guides, if you will, like one of them is 20 ways your GSA can rock the world. And then one is assess the racism and transphobia in your GSA. And they, they talk about the all white and cisgender club and some of these other things. What is that all about? It's 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 just it's really troubling. It's troubling because I think most of us, I think when we look at what's happened on campuses just over the past couple of weeks, we can make a direct connection to whether it's college campuses, whether it's K to 12 classrooms or can make a direct connection to what's being taught. Right. Kind of the suppressor versus oppressed mindset, the colonizers, anti-white and all of it. Right. is feeding into all of this anti-Semitic hate-filled demonstrations across uh, campuses, right? And so so we need to stop it here. I think the focus, right, a lot of the focus has been on college campuses. But, but you know, all everything that you just read, all of the Yeah, where does terms, it come from? They should get, be raising it, red flags. I'm, I'm not, I, I, this would be inappropriate for me to argue that anything that's happened in the last couple of weeks in the Middle East is, is uh, a positive, because it's not. However, this is interesting to me from this perspective, and I highlighted Michelle Barry Weiss's speech before the Federalist Society that I thought was really effective, because some of us, yourself included, me as a talk show host, we've been highlighting the oppressed versus oppressor narrative for years now in talking talking about how these kids are being indoctrinated and now you're seeing it manifest itself in horrific and ugly and you know anti-semitic ways. So I guess my hope would be when we start talking about this stuff and maybe parents and some other folks, maybe even some democrats Michelle who have been more moderate that aren't on the fringe on this will start paying attention to those of us who are warning that this stuff is happening in elementary schools and middle schools because it is as you know. Yeah, this this wasn't an accident. This has been years in the making, and now we're seeing it. We're seeing it on college campuses. We're seeing classrooms. I mean, we've had we've had walkouts essentially supporting terrorists in high schools, right? This is just yes. not isolated yes. to college campuses. And so I think we really need to take a macro look at our entire education system in America and, and figure out what we need to change to make sure that the next generation of Americans isn't supporting terrorists. They're supporting the good guys. Maybe they even, I don't know, this might be too big of an ask, love this country 
that they live in. Maybe, right? right? Yeah. That would be that would too be much great. to ask? It would be a nice You goal. know, just appreciate the freedoms that they have here. Um, and, uh, you know, I always got a question. Have, have they lived anywhere else? Have they traveled anywhere else? Because right. there is no better place in America. No, um, the answer is they don't. They haven't done that because they would realize it if they had. There's no doubt about that. I always shared this story um, from L.A. many years ago. I mean, five, six years ago, I'm with an Uber driver. I always like talking to the Uber drivers if they're willing, especially those who are not from America. Young, very fiery Cuban Uber driver who mm-hmm. loved, loved, loved America, loved this country, was very upset. And this is well before, I think there was some BLM stuff that was going on. It was in the aftermath of Ferguson, but hated yeah. the way that a lot of activists were taking you know, their anger out on the country itself. And then she told me, this has changed since then, but you couldn't, as a common person in Cuba, even have a cow for beef purposes. You could have a cow to milk, but you couldn't eat steak. Only the elites could have steak. You couldn't have a hamburger. I mean, you're talking about, you know, think about Colin Kaepernick and his BS, talking yeah. about people in this country worse off than one of the, you know, he goes out there and pays homage to Castro and one of the biggest oppressors, you want to talk about oppressors, mm-hmm. on the planet in the last 100 years. And we're worse in this country. And the cops are the problem. It's ridiculous. And that's what these kids are being taught, by the way. Exactly. They think it's okay to inflict violence on a certain group as long as they're the oppressors, right? As long as they deem them the ones that are oppressing a vulnerable population. And, and it's such backwards thinking. It's not helping them and it's not helping the country, right? It's just going to hold them back yeah. because everything that they don't achieve, they're going to blame something else as opposed to saying, hey, I'm in control of what I can do. And so it's, it's a big problem uh, for the generation. And that's why we think it's, it's, there's nothing more important than empowering parents, yeah, right? This is not an exaggeration. I've been saying this now for a couple of weeks. This is a battle for Western civilization. This is not just Absolutely. about the Middle East. In a group like yours, Parents Defending Education, you know that more than a lot of other folks in this country. Michelle, thank you so much. Thanks for the report exposing this. Keep on them. We'll have you back. And thank you for having me, Mark. All right. Yeah, take care. 520-97.1 FM Talk. Some of this stuff is so important. And I want to get into some issues that sort of relate to what's going on, certainly with Palestine and Israel. This is really, and maybe I shouldn't be stunned by anything anymore. Talk about journalistic malpractice. There is a, um, a woman by the name of uh, Elizabeth Spears. She was formerly the editor-in-chief of the New York Observer. She was the editorial director of the Observer Media Group. She oversaw the flagship newspaper and uh, the digital properties as well. She's been a columnist at Fast Company and Fortune magazine. She has been a contributor to The Washington Post, The New York Times, The Daily Beast, The New York Review of Books, The New York Magazine, New Republic, and GQ. She's the author of, and I'll get to why this is important in a second, the co-author of Slate's Pay Dirt column. She is um, someone who's in the National Committee on United States-China Relations. She taught for six years at um, a university, and she contributes all the time to the New York Times. So Elizabeth Spears actually tweeted this out. You th- and this was yesterday, by the way, and then they dug up some other stuff. She said, you think the Gaza health ministry is Hamas. If you do, maybe I'm not the one who's being coy. Is any Palestinian source Hamas? By the way, yeah, the answer to that is yes. So here's someone, Noah Blum, responds, says, I don't think it. I know it because it's a known fact in how it's presented in major media outlets as well as uh, here. ABC News, The Washington Post, The L.A. Times. Do you believe that it isn't Hamas based on what? So she actually um, 
weighs in here in a way that is shocking. Somebody else comes in, and some of the people here are irrelevant because they're just people responding to the string. Someone says, who makes up the organization known as Hamas? And Elizabeth Spears, again, think about who she is and who she's contributed to. These that I'm reading right now go back from a, a few weeks, but they're after October 7th, right? right? Her response to this guy, again, the question, who makes up the organization known as Hamas? She says, who makes up the KKK? What? Tom Philly, the guy who asked the question, says, KKK is not elected leadership of anyone. Right. She says, neither is Hamas. She doesn't have a clue. She doesn't have a clue. Tom Philly says Hamas is the governing force in Gaza. What place is KKK governing? Her response is, this is stunning. No one elected them. And if you think, she wrote this on October 15th. No one elected them. And if you think white nationalists have never been the governing force in America, I beg you to pick up a history book and read about the Southern strategy. And unlike Hamas, those people were elected. Hamas is the government of Gaza. They were elected in 2006. This is what this is what this is all about. We're dealing with terrorists and someone who has columns right now. If you go to the New York Times, if you check out her her bio, she's got columns all over the place in big publications. So <laughs> the fact that she doesn't know this, that she doesn't know that the Gaza Health Ministry, where a lot of the legacy media is depending on their you know, numbers on deaths and, and injured right now is controlled by Hamas, which even the big legacy media folks, even though they quote that organization, they know that it's controlled by Hamas. How can you have any credibility in journalism? Right. The, you got people that and this is where it's a crisis and why it's journalistic malpractice. You have people that are writing columns, editing columns, spewing BS out to the American people with passing knowledge of the facts. Zero and, and even and by the way, even when corrected, even when pointed in the right direction, a refusal to acknowledge that she was wrong. And here's the reason. And this goes back to our previous conversation with Michelle. Michelle, it doesn't matter to these folks. The only thing they they care about is that it's oppressor versus, you know, oppressed. Right. That that's the only and they they see this in this situation in Israel the same way as they do BLM, and that's why they are saying things that the way the way they're saying things is just it's stunning. It really is. Here's another thing that's fascinating. Josh Hammer was on last night from Newsweek. He told me about this because this was a column right now in Newsweek. Uh, the headline, I was canceled for a cartoon about Hamas's human shields. I stand by my cartoon and its opinion. And this is a little hard to do on the radio, but Sue, you can see this right here. There's a guy and he's clearly listed as Hamas, right? Yeah. He's not a Palestinian. It says Hamas. And the words coming out of his mouth in the bubble are, how dare Israel attack civilians? And Essentially, the cartoonist drew a bunch of kids hanging from the Hamas official, and they're tied up in ropes. Right. In other words, Kidnapping. they're hostages. They're kidnapped, right? So he puts this out. The Washington Post puts it in the paper. On, I don't know if they actually put it in the printed paper, but they put it on the website, on the editorial website. There was an internal outcry at the Washington Post. <laughs> they claimed that the cartoon was racist for stereotyping and demonizing the Palestinians. These people are you know who's nuts. being demonized here? You know who's being um, yeah. stereotyped? The terrorists yeah. are. The terrorists are. 
it, it, this, and here's what the guy said. Any decent human being would agree that this war is catastrophic. I mourn the loss of innocent life on both sides. I'm shocked by the destruction that has shattered their lives and grieve for those families. I wish for the return, the safe return of more than 240 hostages that Hamas has taken. But those are separate issues. This cartoon was designed with specificity. <laughs> did I say that right? Yeah, you did. That was a little challenging here for me. Its focus is on a specific individual and the statements that he made on behalf of a specific organization, Hamas. Their claims of victimhood and the plight of innocent Palestinians used as pawns in their political and military strategy. And by the way, we got more proof of that even this week because the IDF showed the legacy media and the State Department held a news conference about this today, how that little innocent hospital with poor kids is a base for Hamas, and they found all the material in the basement and in the tunnels. So it's a bunch of nonsense, but again, it doesn't matter. None of the facts matter, right? The Gaza civilians are the victims. Hamas is not. These are people, Corey Bush, the progressives, you name it. They're fighting for a terrorist organization. These kids on college campuses. Some of you have kids doing this on college campuses. It's horrifying. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Joanna Stern, who's with us, Wall Street Journal columnist, wrote a piece that caught my attention. The headline, I think, speaks volumes here. I visited over 120 EV chargers. Three reasons why so many were broken. And Joanna's with us this afternoon. How are you, Joanna Stern? Thank you for joining us here in St. Louis on 97.1 FM Talk. I'm good. How are you? Fantastic. I find this fascinating. I've uh, shared this story. I went to see Bruce Springsteen in February with a friend who had a Tesla, and we ended up stopping at a lot of charging stations. Uh, The results were mixed, I would say. But you, in your situation, you don't have a Tesla. You have a Mustang Mach-E, right? I do. I do. And the reason that's important is because the Tesla chargers can be specific to Tesla, but you would be looking for different chargers for your car, right? That's right. That's right. I have a I have a CCS charging plug on my car, and that means that I can't right now te- charge at most Tesla stations. That's going to change in 2024 and beyond, but right now I've got to go to 
fast chargers that are not from Tesla, and there are a variety of different companies that make these, EVgo, Electrify America. If you've got an EV that's a non-Tesla, you know these types of charging stations. So you said in the column that you didn't set out to earn a Guinness World Record, uh, although you'll gladly accept one, but you did this and you went out in L.A. and you tested all these chargers out because a lot of people are talking about this topic right now, right, Joanna? Exactly, exactly. And I got this car. I, I leased this car back at the end of August, beginning of September. Didn't have a home charger installed yet. And so I started charging at these public charging networks. Now, I live in New Jersey, but even in New Jersey, I was charging. I was encountering a lot of issues. So I thought, okay, lots of people must be having these issues. And of course, we've read about them. We've heard about all these issues plaguing the infrastructure of, of EV charging. So I decided, let me go to LA County, which has more public DC fast chargers than any other area in the country. And let me see how many of these I can hit up in two days. And I ended up at 30 different charging stations. These are non-Tesla DC fast charging stations. Over two days, that was over 120 different stalls, right? The charging stations have the different stalls, just like a gas station has different station stalls. And at over 40% of these locations, I encountered problems. So basically, 13 of these places had problems. So backing up, yeah, backing up just a little bit, I want to talk about the problems. But you, you did, I'm going to make an assumption here, you didn't drive your busing all the way to L.A., did you? Did I, you have a... I didn't. I mean, that would have been really, yeah. I really should get a, a record for that. But no, I, I was I was in L.A. and I rented a Rivian R1T, which is a really cool yeah. pickup truck. Yeah, those and are fun. I just, yeah, I was like, let me let me drive this thing. This seems cool. And it also has a CCS port. And so if you've got a Rivian or a, a Mustang or one of the very, uh, various other types of EVs, Hyundai, Kia, uh, Volkswagen, you're used to charging at these other types of stations. So I, I just decided, hey, let me drive a Rivian for two days. So you avoided the ones that, um, and forgive me if you mentioned some of this, just because it's a little confusing to those of us who have internal combustion engines, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But you avoid the ones that are known as level two because they're too slow for the quick Phillips, right? And you start going around, you're finding all these stalls. And you even put pictures in here. A ton of them, 27% were just completely out of order, right? Oh. Yes, 27% of them either had an out-of-order sign or a out-of-service or a charger unavailable. And that just means like, okay, I'm not even going to try, try using one of these, right? And so that it was 27% of the 126 stalls I visited. And honestly, I have to say, if you have to encounter an error at one of these, this is one of the best ones because you don't get out and start using it. You just know, okay, this one's off limits. I got to find a different one, which okay. is not the case with some of the other problems I found. Yeah, Um <laughs> This is funny to a radio person. Sue, you'll appreciate this. You, you wrote, to get one charger back online, technician Sergio Alonso pulled the old turn it off and turn it back on trick, right? <laughs> That's like when we call engineers in radio, the first thing they always do is just they kind of like yeah. bang on the thing and see the same thing we would do. Bang yeah. on it, turn it on and off. So that worked in that case. But obviously it's like this, fixing a printer, I feel. Right. You know, it's yeah, like, no, exactly. It, it, but you, you're doing this because and I don't know if you actually did you speak with other people out there in L.A. that were having issues with this because this would be, you know, where they're mandating this. They want to get it rid of um, the internal combustion engine a lot quicker than the rest of the country because it's California, but it's just not realistic right now. Yeah, no, I mean, look, one of the best things actually about having an EV and going to some of these public charging stations is it's it's sort of like a bar scene. You end up talking to all the people at the stalls and you're you're sizing each other up. You're looking at their cars. You're seeing, oh, you're charging your Kia, but my Volkswagen's not charging. And so you sort of build this community at the charging station. And 
certainly what's happening in Los Angeles and even for me in New Jersey is people are complaining, right? Yeah. Oh, that one doesn't work or that one didn't work last week, but now it's working. Um, or I had that problem this, you know, the other day. Everyone is sharing and it's really misery loves company at the charging station. So the other thing that happened was and this. I think this happens just across the board. Maybe it's not just with the EV chargers, but you couldn't get your damn debit card or credit cards to work, right? I cannot tell you how much these machines seem to hate credit cards. And one of the nice things about reporting the story is I actually learned along the way why some of these problems happen. And and through talking to the charging companies, what ends up happening is the actual hardware of the charger that's made by one company. Well, the credit card machine and the terminal that's used to swipe the card or put the chip in, that's made by a different company. And so those two pieces of hardware are usually not talking to each other that well. And unfortunately, some of these systems are older and they don't have tap to pay. They don't have the Apple pay or Android pay. And so you end up trying to put your credit card in and you can often, in, in, in my case, uh, I believe it was about 10% of the stalls I had uh, credit card payments or um, payment issues with. You'd swipe and you have an error. You put your chip card in an error, try another card, another error. What is the handshake issue? Can you explain that? Yeah, so this is, this is, again, really why this is so different than, obviously, gas, but even different than plugging your phone into the wall. Because what's happening here is a lot of power is being transferred from the charging stall to the car. And both of these things are fundamentally computers. They have to use software and hardware to communicate with each other to say, hey, here's how much power I'm sending. And car has to say, here's how much power I can take. And so this complication happens and what is called this handshake issues, the handshake isn't successful. The two can't really talk to each other. And you can sometimes see on the screen, it'll be like a a spinning wheel and it seems like they're going to connect and then you get error detected and you get upset. And sometimes you can unplug and plug it in again, back to that trick. And after 10 seconds or so, it can reset and it can start working. But because these charging stations, unlike Tesla, are trying to accommodate so many different types of cars, they have this issue where they're trying to talk to all these different types of cars and things can break down. So when I was in the Tesla that I mentioned, I went across the state to Kansas City. One thing that I was unaware of at the Tesla charging stations, I'm, I'm assuming it's the same thing with the uh, EVgo or some of the other ones, too, is that it depends on how many cars are trying to draw the power at that particular station. That that really determines how much juice you're going to get for your car, Right. That is one of the factors. What time of day is another factor. If everything is working is the factor. I mean, that's one of the problems I actually didn't address in this piece because I didn't have time to charge uh, all the way up at all of these stations. I would seriously have been there for, I believe, years if I was trying to do that (laughs) because – you know, you, you are looking to see, oh, okay, I'm at a fast charger. I want to get the fastest charge. Is it is it sending the right amount of kilowatts? And that's what you hear often people complaining, saying it's charging, but it's going at a really slow rate. And so then you'll have somebody else at the stall saying, yeah, I had that problem with that one a few weeks ago. You know, you can wait on me. I'll be done in 15 minutes and you can take this slot. So, yeah, like I said, misery loves company at the charging stall. Joanna, it's Sue here. Uh, this just sounds like a mess. We haven't figured this out. We are not ready oh, for this. I mean, w- w- what did you come away with thinking? It is. It really it was a mess in L.A., and I will say it's a mess. But the, but the good thing is, is that many people are charging at home, right? In L.A., it's a very interesting situation because you've got a lot of renters, and I spoke to a lot of people at the stalls who said, well, I can't install a home charger because I'm you know, renting in this apartment building. You also have people who are getting free charging. Electrify America teamed up with a number of different car manufacturers to give them free charging for the first year or a certain amount of, of power. And so they're there and saying, 
well, I've got free. I'm not going to do this at home or I'm not going to install my home charger till I get use my my free power. So, yes, there there is this demand in L.A. plus the fact that you've got the infrastructure that just can't keep up with it. And so that was one of the reasons I wanted to go to L.A. specifically to look at this. So one of one of the key questions that you don't answer, and this is how she writes it, Sue, because I think people listening right now would would wonder about this. She says, if you're wondering how much I paid to power the Rivian and if it was any cheaper than gas, let me just say that the fast charging pricing is complicated. It's a topic for another column or a 1000 page book. Is that all we're going to get out of you? Can you tell us any more about the price of all this, Joanna? I will tell you it is really complicated because. Again, depending on the time of the day you're going and how much levels you had left in your car, I can tell you in in New Jersey, I've charged my Mustang for, you know, somewhere like 30 to 40 dollars, probably from, uh, you know, 10 percent to 70 percent. Right. It's a little bit less than a tank of gas, uh, depending on the rates that day and depending on what level uh, type of gas I'm getting. But it really can fluctuate. And that was one of the things I noticed there. Plus, in, I was going from stall to stall to stall, not charging all the way up. Yeah, right. I, I have this feeling that a lot of people that don't know much about EVs, and I don't know much about EVs, they think that it's just kind of free. You just right, plug you just in wherever plug you want, that they're not, you're, you're not being charged no. for that. But no, that's exactly the opposite. And certainly not at fast chargers. I mean, fast chargers are going to be more expensive than the level two. And in fact, to tell you that on this road trip, what ended up happening was I was staying at a hotel where the level two chargers were free. So it's like, mm, mm. if you know, if I really had to charge and I wasn't charging all day, I would be charging at the hotel for free. Joanna Stern, your fabulous guest. This is fascinating. It really is. And um, I, you know, I'm sorry. I'm going to come back sometime with better news and tell you it's all been cleaned up. Well, but this is well, this is important reality. reporting yeah. because I mean, people need to know the reality of where it is. And oh, I yeah, think yeah, that yeah, there yeah, are some challenges. That. So you know, hopefully, kinks will be worked out. Um, I, I had to. We wrecked a car in my family and um, had to replace it today. And I've said this a couple of times. You know, I I feel and I bought my car. Now, two years ago, but so this probably the last internal combustion engines maybe I'll ever buy, you know, because we're at that point. If I keep a car for five or six years, you, you might have to buy an EV. You might be forced into it. So I think this is fascinating. You have a great Thanksgiving. Thank you so much, Joanna Stern. I appreciate it. Thank you. You too. Take care. That was interesting. I it thought. was interesting. Yeah. And you know what I wanted to ask her and we didn't get a chance was... Can she drive that thing in the cold of New Jersey oh, in the winter? That. Yeah, well, we'll do a follow-up. How does that sound? Well, Darn it, Sue, we should have got that one in. Audio Cut of the Day is coming up. I have an Audio Cut of the Day coming up here. Of course, we are on the cusp of the weekend, which means the Reardon Roundtable tomorrow. Jane will be here. State Rep Steve Butts on her side of the table. State Senator Nick Shore on my side. Sue is gone for a few days, so I know we've caught you off guard with a couple of stories. Did you hear about the, uh, the murder in Clayton from the other day? I did. Now, this one I did hear because okay. I got an alert on my phone. There's been an arrest now. So they um, have charged, apparently, Trinell Johnson, who's only 18 years old, with this crime. According to, this is Channel 5 reporting this, the victim identified as Joshua Harris. He was only 41 years old. I think they had just moved here from Chicago, 7,500 block of Y down. He comes outside at 530 in the morning. He hears a noise. Well, somebody's trying to steal his car or steal something from his car. And he was armed. Josh Harris was armed. He had a gun. This kid had a gun and shot. We've heard multiple times, like six, there were shell casings, multiple shell casings. So, but this is, I haven't even gotten to the, the worst part. I can't call it the Wait best a minute. part. So let me get the, so a guy hears something in, in Clayton, hears somebody in his car. The victim thinks something's going on. 5.30 in the morning, he hears something, someone trying to steal the car, steal something from the car. He goes out. He has a gun. 
the kid also has a gun, shoots Josh Harris dead oh my. multiple times, right? But it gets worse, okay? Christine Byers at Channel 5, former Post-Dispatch reporter when they actually used to have good reporters and people that would just do news and not indoctrinate with a bunch of BS. Sources tell me Clayton homicide suspect has been charged. Victim was interrupting a car theft. But here's the part that's interesting. Trinell Johnson, 18, has been charged with this crime. It's second-degree murder. What the hell hell happened to first-degree murder, right? thank you. But it says, in May... This is so perfect, Sue, and it's oh, no. disgusting. The nonprofit The Bail Project posted a $3,000 bond on a case in which this kid, this murdering kid, was charged with four crimes related to the tampering of a motor vehicle. And here's what you have. And, and by the way, Wesley Bell, who wants to be, you know, replacing Corey yeah. Bush. Look, these are social workers. Kim was a social worker. Wesley's a social worker. The Bail Project. These are just kids that need some help. They need a hug, Sue, is what they need. And now this guy's dead in Clayton. It's disgusting is what it is. Playback ready. Now, the audio cut of the day. Well, I don't have a lot of time because I've babbled a little bit too long here. This will sum up a lot in the world and in this country. Once again, it's sponsored by the Good Feet Store. It's all about comfort, energy, performance, and pain relief. Our leader, President Joe Biden. Here in this world, leading leading tech companies like Anthropic, and, and I'm going to mispronounce. I'm not going to even try. <laughs> it's better not to try and not mispronounce than try and mispronounce. I mean, I guess he's trying to get through it with humor. And let's face it, Sue, the host sometimes mispronounces things. But I'm not the, so the leader I. of the free world, right? That, yeah, and I don't have point. that happen every single day. And I'm not really drooling on myself <laughs> too much, right? There's your audio cut of the day. Have a great night. Get more at 971talk.com. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. T 